pray. Father, would you take this time, would you mold our hearts, would you, uh, through your word, reveal yourself and call us, oh God, undeniably to be like you and to follow hard after Jesus in whom we have been given freedom and salvation. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. You at home, I hope you're already seated. The... Uh, the gospel reading we just had, the parable of the talents we talked about last week, uh, we were talking about how uh, we're responsible for our decisions. And, and so we'll talk about something similar this week. But the past few weeks, we've been looking at what happens when Jesus returns, because we're in an age right now, and it's, it's just this whole length of time between the times that Jesus is here on the planet. So he was, he left the planet, he rules from heaven right now, but he's told us, I'm coming back. And so we're in that in-between time, and we're looking ahead at, at what is it going to be like when, it, when he comes? What does it mean for us? What are we going to have to face? One of the things that we've talked about is we'll have to face the consequences of our actions. Uh, and that can be a good thing or a bad thing, right? So... Obedience is a part of our, our, uh, our faith walk with Jesus. Uh, he says in John 14, says, If you love me, you will obey what I command. And, and so obedience is part of what it means to be a Christian. It's not just, oh, God loved me so much that if I believe these things, then he forgives me of everything. And, and that's it. No, there's more to it. He calls us to be obedient to what he says. And he says that there's a blessing in walking in obedience. It's a, it's a consequence that, that if we will do what he says to do, that we get good coming to us, blessing coming to us. Conversely, if we don't do what he said to do, we don't receive that blessing. In fact, we may receive other things. In Luke, Luke records that Jesus said, Blessed are all who hear the word of God and put it into practice. Because let's face it, it's one thing to come to church on Sunday and you hear it, but if you don't do anything with it, what good was it? Right? And we are free to choose. We can do it or not. But what we're going to focus on this week is you are not free from the consequences of your choices. Now, we have a lot of freedom in how we live, but not the kind of freedom that many in our culture think we have or think that we should have. Because in our culture, people are equating freedom with having no consequences. For instance, in our culture, we've been afforded the freedom of speech in the First Amendment. Now, that guarantees us that we have the ability, you could even say we have the right, to say what we want. But let me tell you, we are not free from the consequences of what we say. For good or for ill. Now, similarly, as Christians, we have been given enormous Freedom in Christ, it, that is a theme. It's thematic, uh, 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 the whole scriptures. Um, Jesus says that what he has 
come for, what he's brought us, is similar to what happened in the, the Passover and, and the release from slavery in Egypt that the Jewish people had. And that's the pattern for what our life is like. And he talked a lot about freedom. And, and those who, who wrote letters to the church afterward talked a lot about freedom. Peter and Paul, we'll look at a few things Paul says today. We've been given enormous freedom in Christ, but it doesn't mean that we can do anything we want. For example, because I'm a believer in Jesus and follow him and he's given me new life does not mean that I'm free to steal cars. Even if I want to, I'm not even free to say anything I want because my wants may be bad in the things that I say. Freedom to our culture says you can do whatever you want with no consequences. And to that, I go to these words of wisdom. You, you keep using that word. I do not think that word means what you think it means. Freedom is not doing what you want with no consequences. When we as Christians, as, as Jesus followers, talk about freedom, this is what we're talking about. It's not the right to do what you want, because our wants get messed up, don't they? We want things that aren't good. Freedom in Christ is the power to do what's right. It's the power to do what's right. And that's a power that we don't always have if we're not born again in him now let me i'm going to be i'm going to disclose some things this morning when i first became a believer in jesus i was 16 years old i've been going to church for years and i didn't know that that god loved me and sent his son to die on a cross for me so that i could become his child and be made brand new and that he would actually be my savior and there's this relationship that we can have i thought it was a bunch of ceremony i liked it but that was news to me and, and it changed everything it, it it i remember telling my friends who didn't they weren't Christians. They didn't go to church. And they were like, what's going on with you? And, and one of the ways I'd explain it was, I, I feel like for the first time in my life, I have a choice on what I do. I didn't even know before that I didn't have a choice. I didn't know it was possible. But now I, I, I see the world's a bigger place than I thought. God's much bigger than I thought he was. And I can choose things that I never knew I could choose before. I had already, even at 16 years old, I had developed a number of habits that were becoming like traps in my life. Um, I had developed a pornography addiction at 16 years old. And I didn't know there was a, I shouldn't do it, or, or, or that there was another way to live. I just thought that's what you do. Um, I had developed a lack of respect for my father that undermined our relationship for years. I had Developed bad choices with my friends. I, I was, uh, I didn't even really like me. I didn't like me. And some of you can identify with some of what I've said. Some of you can't. But I don't think it takes much imagination to look down the road at, at what ends up happening if you start any of these things. And they get a hold of you. 
where, where do you end up when you don't like yourself? Where do you end up when you feed addictions? Where do you end up when you, when you have no respect and, and even disrespect the people that God has put in your life? It doesn't take much imagination. We probably see it. There are consequences to getting wrapped up in that stuff. Stuff that I didn't even know was wrong. I certainly didn't know I had a choice to get out of it. I, I didn't realize that I wasn't free. I didn't realize that I didn't have the power to do right. I didn't know what that was. Now, as I began to follow Jesus, I discovered that I had choices and, and that there was a right and a wrong and that a lot of what I had been choosing was wrong. But now I was like, whoa, I've, I've got choices for the first time in my life. And I started making some better ones. Not all the time, but, you know, we get, hopefully we get better as we go. And I'm still not 100% at that. I don't know anybody who is. Well, I know one person. He's ruling the universe, but, but none of us. I don't know anybody who is. I'm still facing consequences for bad choices that I still make. I'd still have wants that are not good wants. You know what I mean? I want things that aren't good. I think we all have wants that we can look at and say, that's just not good. That's not healthy. That's not, that's certainly in the holy. And, and, the wants can, can hold us captive unless we make the choices that, that the Holy Spirit gives us the power to make. Gives us the power to choose what's right and what's good. Now, when Paul wrote his, his letters to the church in Thessalonica, he was talking to them about... Uh, about some of the choices they made, he was, he was, we've been reading the parts in the past few weeks from his first letter about what it's going to be like when Jesus comes back. And he wants them to be ready. And last week we talked about how being ready is at least in part being responsible. That we're responsible for the choices that we make. Uh, some people will be ready. They, they will have learned that responsibility. They will have developed what it is to be a Jesus follower. And they, he says, if you're like that, then you don't have to worry about being surprised and having the wind knocked out of you when he comes. This is how he put it. We just read it, First Thessalonians, Thessalonians 5. It says, you know quite well the day of the Lord's return will come unexpectedly. It comes like a, a thief in the night. When people are saying, uh, everything's peaceful, it's all secure, we're all good, everything's fine. Then disaster will fall on them suddenly like a, a pregnant woman's labor pains begin, just out of the blue. There will be no escape. When he comes back, he's coming back. Paul continues, he says, but you, you aren't in the dark. This shouldn't surprise you like somebody sneaking up out of the shadows. You should be ready for this, dear brothers and sisters. You won't be surprised when the day of the Lord comes like a thief. You won't get caught red-handed. You won't get surprised in, in, in the middle of doing things that, you know, the Lord doesn't want. For your children of the light, all of you, 
You're children of the day. We don't belong to darkness and night and keeping things hidden and secret because they're not supposed to be talked about. So be on your guard. Don't be asleep like the others. Stay alert. Be clear-headed. Night's the time when, when people do things they want to get away with and they don't want anybody to know about. They, you know, you sleep, drinkers get drunk, but let us who live in the light be clear-headed. Let's be protected by the armor of faith and love and wearing as our helmet the confidence of our salvation. Now, I've got a question. I do want your response if you're here. Um, when it says love, is, it, is Paul talking about the feeling no, what's he talking about? The doing. The doing things that are good and right. And he says that's the protection for us. To do good and right and healthy things is a protection for us. We're protected by the armor of the things, the good things that we do. And what about faith? Is that just the belief that you have in your head? No. What is it? What word do I tell you to replace? Every time you read faith in the scriptures, replace it with the word faithfulness. Every time you read faith, replace it with faithfulness. Every time you read faith, replace it with faithfulness because you'll get a much clearer understanding of what he's talking about. Your faithfulness is what you do because of what you believe. And it's a protection for you. You're not protected just by your belief. You're protected by how you live it out. Our freedom is exercised in the good choices we make. At least if we want to avoid the bad consequences of those choices. Now, Paul started a church in Corinth. And they ended up with a misunderstanding of what their freedom Meant They had a worldly understanding of what freedom means. Some of them thought they could do whatever they wanted, and the church ended up in a mess. I mean, if you read through it and you start saying, what, what do they think? How were they living their lives? They were arrogant. They looked down on those that had different spiritual ideas than they had. So everybody in the church is looking down on each other. They were suing one another in courts. They couldn't work anything out. Amongst themselves, they had to go to court to get it worked out. They didn't care for each other. They didn't respect um, the conscience that other people had. You know, I like the, they brought up, you know, some of you think you can eat whatever you want and, and there's nothing wrong with that. But others of you think that you should have some dietary restrictions. And there's nothing wrong with thinking that. But y'all are fighting with each other and not respecting each other. Uh, their meals together were they were viewed as opportunities to be gluttonous and and get drunk, even when they were celebrating many Passovers, you know the Eucharist, even when they were doing that, they had the wrong attitudes about it, and there was lots of sexual misbehavior. They had one guy who was bragging at how he was able to get his father's wife in bed, probably his stepmom. And he was bragging about it. And Paul said, what are you doing? Again, they were messed up. They thought freedom meant something else. And because Paul had to write this, he said, you say, I'm allowed to do anything. 
They may have misunderstood things that, that some of us as Christians have misunderstood. Um, we're, we're told things like God loves us all the time. And that's true, right? When we're, we're, he loves us at our worst times. True, right? He loves us at our most sinful times. He still loves us, right? Yes. He, he loves us even when we're turning our back on him and we're running away. He still loves us, right? Yes, he does. Right? God can and does forgive even the worst sins. Right? Yes. He does. All that is true. But... It doesn't mean we escape the consequences of our choices. God's love and grace to us does not mean there are no consequences and that we can do whatever we want and not have to worry about it. He does love us. He does forgive us. But we may still have to face consequences. Paul went on to say, he says, not everything is good for you. Even though I'm allowed to do anything is true, I must not become a slave to anything. Now, we have the ability to do all kinds of things, but it's not all good for us. It's not all pleasing to God. And some things even enslave us. We get caught up. We get trapped into it. We, we end up giving ourselves to things that capture us. It can be a bad attitude. And we get caught up in that, and that's how we start to see the world. We can give ourselves to things that are really unhealthy for us. Pornography, for instance. Ways of treating other people. We can get caught up in it and get in a habit of doing it. We can have untrue thoughts. You know, things like, I'm just a loser. Dang it, I'm a loser. That proves it. I'm, I'm a loser. I'm a loser. And, you, and we get caught up in that. And it becomes how we see ourselves. We can't help but see ourselves now. We get enslaved to that idea. We can get addicted to alcohol, drugs, and here's one, social media. They're saying that social media is something that we can get addicted to, that it's like heroin. That what it does in our brains keeps us going back, and it's so hard. Have you ever tried to turn it off, those of you who do it? Just walk away from it? It's hard. It's hard. I, I watched a, a documentary this past week called The Social Dilemma. Who in here has seen The Social Dilemma? Oh. Okay, I see three hands besides me that have seen The Social Dilemma. I'm asking you three people, do these people need to see the social dilemma? Will you say it louder? Do these people need to see the social dilemma? You need, folks, you need to see this documentary. You need to see this documentary. You need to write it down. Put it, send yourself an email. Find it. It's on uh, Netflix. Netflix came up with it. It's worth doing a trial on Netflix to see it. You need to see this. Um, They interview people 
who were big time. They were helping to create these social networks, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and others. And, and these people that they interview are talking about how these sites are designed to keep our attention. They are designed to, to, if we'll pick it up, they want us to stay on there for hours and keep scrolling and keep clicking and keep tweeting it out and keep redoing it and keep commenting. They, they're designed to help us do that. The, they're uh, kind of controlled by this artificial intelligence, these computer programs that are written with algorithms to influence your choices and what you do. To keep you diving down the rabbit hole. To keep you following the trail. If you click, for instance, on a sports-related link, guess what kind of links you start seeing more of? Sports-related. Because you're interested in it, so it starts showing you more of them. If you only click on Jacksonville Jaguars links, guess what you start seeing more of? Jacksonville Jaguars links. They'll give you some other choices every once in a while. But they know you like that, so they keep on doing that so that you'll stay on there. That's how they make money. If you see uh, links and, and click on political links, guess what you see more of? Come on. Political links, right? If you click on links for Democrats, you start seeing more Democratic links. If you click on Republican links, you start seeing more of those. Independent links, you know, uh, Libertarians, guess what you start seeing more of? Libertarian stuff. Liberal stuff you see more of. Conservative stuff, you'll see more of that. You start moving into these areas that keep you going. They, they just drive you more and more over there. And, and it, it takes a people who, years ago, we, we all shared some basic values and understandings. And it's taken us off in different directions. It's... The way the algorithms are written, the way the artificial intelligence decides what to show you, they say, they say it has resulted in dividing people. Our nation is largely divided because of social media. And these people that they're interviewing, they say, we don't know what to do about it. We don't know how to fix it. Because this is just how it works. The racial division is fueled by these algorithms drawing us into separate realities. Where what you keep clicking on keeps getting reinforced. The way you think keeps getting reinforced. The way other people think isn't given the time of day. And so we end up not understanding each other anymore. We're just frustrated that anybody can think anything different than what everybody thinks. And we think everybody thinks the way that we do. Several of the experts that they interviewed are so worried because they think this really could end up in another civil war. With that much widespread bloodshed. Because we're drawn so far apart from each other into extremes. 
This is a, a quote. Facebook did an internal study. They said, you know, we, we worry about the people that are in extremist groups. Most of them don't start that way. They said 64% of the people who join extremist groups on Facebook did so because the algorithm steered them there. We don't start out like this, y'all. This is a problem. This is a danger. Now, there are good ways to use social media. It's wonderful to know what you had for lunch. I love being able to see new babies and wedding pictures. and I love all that. It's, it, we, sharing life is a great thing. But this stuff is dangerous. And you need to see this documentary. Like I said, it's designed so people can't stop themselves from using it. There are only two industries, as this quote says, that call their customers users. That's illegal drugs and software. I want you to watch it. I want you to watch it. Now, you may not come out of it like I did. I looked and said, wow, I need to back off. And I removed Facebook and Twitter from my device. Now, I still have the ability to get on, check a couple of things, get the heck off. But this scrolling and getting drawn down the rabbit hole has got to stop because of what it's doing to us and what it's doing to our nation and it's doing the same thing around the world. There are elections that are being overturned. There are coups that are happening because of what's happening on social media. It can be used responsibly. More often it's divisive and dangerous, and it is addicting. It is addicting. It is addicting. Paul wrote, to the church in Galatia said, it's for freedom that Christ has set us free. So stand firm then. Don't let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. The only way we can really be free is to exercise self-control. That's what freedom is, is the ability to exercise your own self-control. Self-control is a gift of the Holy Spirit. It's a fruit that comes out of the relationship that you develop with the Lord. But it can be ignored or wasted. Um, here's, a, here's an example. In our country, you know, except for a very small number of roads uh, set aside for national security purposes, we're free to go anywhere. We can drive down any road we want. We can go anywhere we want to. As long as we're self-controlled. As long as we will stay on our side of the yellow line. We can go anywhere we want. As long as we obey the speed limits. We can go anywhere we want. As long as we don't drink, drive drunk and, and look at our cell phone and all that. We can go anywhere we want. As long as we don't put other drivers in danger. We have enormous freedom. If we'll use our self-control, the freedom that we have is unbounded almost. 
But if you will not self-control, other people will have to control you. And people find that out all the time. When they drive drunk, they weren't self-controlled. Somebody steps in and says, you can't drive anymore. You're going to jail. You don't get a license. If we don't control ourselves, we lose our freedom. Something else is in control. We wreck the car. We hurt others. Our license is taken away. People won't ride with us because we're so reckless. Again, we are not free to do what we want. We're free to do what's right. Our wants get out of whack. I think all of us have wants that we know if we follow that trail, it's just not a good thing. Our wants get out of whack. I really want another double cheeseburger. I really want just to take the edge off at the end of the day by knocking back a few shots. I really want to put them in their place because, by golly, don't they deserve it. I really want that good-looking thing I'm not married to. Our wants get out of whack. I heard Beth Moore made a comment about that, said, Oh, God, start with my wants. I don't know. What did she say? Fix my want to. Our want-tos get broken. But Jesus has set us free. We don't have to feed that monster. Our, uh, our Archbishop Foley Beach, it says this regularly. You can feed your spirit or you can feed your flesh. The one you feed will be in charge. So... We have to make the choices and be self-controlled with the freedom that we've been given. We have to change our desires. Best way to do that, uh, uh, Paul talked about this in, in his letter to the Romans. And he, he talked about, I, there are things that I, I do that I know I shouldn't do. And things I know I should be doing and I don't do those. And, uh, you know, I, that's my old nature. That's, the, that's what I used to live out of, but thanks be to God that Jesus has given me new life and I have choices I can make. And he gave them this advice. He said, don't copy the behavior and the customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. It starts up here, y'all. It starts up here. It's, this may not be all that you do, but start with this. Memorize Scripture. Find something that speaks to where you are. Memorize what God's Word has to say about that. And then think about that a lot. For instance, uh, do you struggle with a lack of self, self-worth? Do you struggle with depression? Maybe you should memorize Psalm 139.14 I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. Memorize that. Because that tells you something that's true. And then spend some time thinking about that and how that applies to you. Are you... Maxed out on your credit cards. Do you have a spending problem? 
maybe memorize Proverbs 22, 7, the last half. The borrower is servant to the lender. That's the truth. You become enslaved every time you use that credit card. You become enslaved every time you charge something. Think about that. Is that what God wants? No, God wants you free. How do you do that? And it may not be enough just to memorize and think about these things. You may have to get further help. You may need to be with other people that will hold you accountable to making good choices. That will help you understand it better and chase it out and get the, the roots plucked out of you. But this is a good place to start. You've got to change what's going on in your thinker. Do you have an addiction to porn? This comes out of Job 31.1. I made a covenant with my eyes not to look lustfully at anyone. Now, in Job, it was men talking to each other, and it actually says not to look lustfully at a young woman. But men aren't the only people in our culture that have a problem with porn. So I think this is an okay thing to say. And memorize that and think about it. What does it mean to have a covenant with your eyes? What, how do you walk through that? It's for freedom that Christ has set you free. And you have to use self-control to be free so that you won't be enslaved by or controlled by anybody else. Jesus is bigger than our porn addictions. He's bigger than our alcoholism and our drug addictions and our social media addictions. He's bigger than the habits that we have in how we think about other people and treat other people. He's bigger than the unhealthiness in our lives. And it's for freedom that he has set us free. A life of true freedom comes from being self-controlled. Which is a fruit, it's a, a, a consequence that comes out of having a relationship with God. It's a fruit of the Holy Spirit. It's a fruit of this relationship with Jesus. If the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. So let us not get enslaved to anything else. Let's be self-controlled. Let's be aware. Let's change by repattering our minds. Because he has set us free. Amen. Amen. Well, church, let's start expressing our gratitude in God by confessing our faith that we share in him in the words of the Nicene Creed.